You're listening to the Personal Profitability Podcast, where you'll learn how to earn income, live better, and put your money to work for you. Here's your guide on your path to personal profitability, Eric Rosenberg. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Personal Profitability Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Eric Rosenberg. Today, I'll start out by saying sorry if my voice sounds a little hoarse. I'm actually recovering from a cold and a sinus infection I picked up. I don't expect you to feel bad for me, though, because I picked it up while I was off on a trip working and playing in London and Paris. So sorry about that. Uh, The normal voice not sounding there, uh, (laughs) voice not sounding normal. But uh, please bear with me. Today, I wanted to talk about something, answer some questions. A lot of readers and friends and family have been asking me about this whole transition from working for a big Fortune 500 company, something I've done for you know, more or less my whole career. I've been working for Fortune 500 or at least Fortune 1000 companies. And now I am working for a company of one. You know, that's a, that's a huge transition on all sorts of things. So I wanted to answer some of the most common questions and talk a little bit about what it's been like so far. I'm about a month into this new self-employment adventure, and um, let's dive in and talk about it. So first, a lot of people ask me what my income was like getting to this point, and uh, I do publish income reports every month on the blog, so you can go check those out. If you go to the show notes, there will be a link to the page that has a summary of those, so you can check all those out on, on the website. But uh, as a general outline of how things have gone, you know, I started, I made my first dollar online actually in high school, but um, I started to really seriously try to make income on the side. And uh, that was all online through my websites starting around 2008. So this was not just a, uh, an overnight thing. This is no get rich quick scheme. This is a lot of hard work and elbow grease. And for a lot of those years, I was really working it felt like a job and a half or two full-time jobs. You know, it was not, you know, come home and write a quick blog post and everything takes care of itself. You know, building up a business like this that you can support a family on involves not just writing, it's marketing and networking and connecting with people. There's so many parts to it. I've, if I had, um, I could, I could list off a half a dozen things, any of which if they hadn't happened, I wouldn't be in this position today. You know, one of those things is connecting with a group called the Akazi that's Y-A-K-E-Z-I-E.com, started by my friend Sam at FinancialSamurai.com. And uh, without that group, I would that was when my, uh, my blog really pivoted from being just a little hobby to something that I really was trying to focus on growing and building more of an income from. And uh, working with that community, I was doing something that I don't really do as much of anymore. I still do a little, but there was a time that sponsored posts were a really big thing for finance blogs. And um, you could charge a whole bunch of money to write posts and link back to companies. And I I do that a little bit now, but um, I'm a little more transparent. There's different rules of how you do that. But back then it was kind of the standard thing. So I made a whole bunch of money. That's when I was like, wow, this is like, you know, this is covering all my beer. And I drank a lot of beer back then (laughs) and uh, then covering my rent and my mortgage. So that was one major factor that let me get here. Another one is connecting with the FinCon community. That's the uh, the financial bloggers conference, which I talk about, it seems like in just about every episode. But really, that was probably the next really instrumental thing. And maybe the most important thing that got me from, um, you know, just making a few bucks from this into 
uh, a full-time online income. And you'll just, a lot of people say, well, is all this money coming from your blog? And the answer is no. It's only, of all that uh, income I make online, only about 10%, maybe a little less, comes from personalprofitability.com through the uh, the affiliates and the companies I mentioned there. If people sign up for some of those, I get a little referral fee. So, so I do make some money from this site, but without that site, I would not have connected with a lot of the big brands and companies that I work with. And again, then through that FinCon connection with all of those brands and people, it was, gave me a face-to-face time with businesses looking to hire people like me to write for their sites and create content. So one thing that really helped me step out from the crowd, and I always want to come back to how important it is, is education. And I have both an undergraduate finance degree and an MBA in finance, and that really sets me apart from a lot of the other writers. You know, a lot of the, the FinCon community got to where they are they ended up in a bunch of debt and paid it off and shared their story online. And people are like, wow, that's awesome. I want to do the same thing. And I, I can't say that I don't somewhat fit in there. When I started my blog, I didn't have any debt. But when I graduated from my MBA program, I had $40,000 in debt. And I paid that off in about two years. And you know, that, that got some people excited about me. But I'd been writing for a while before that. So a lot of people are just normal people that have an extraordinary story. And that's how they got into financial writing. But for me, because I have those credentials I do, you know, a lot of people who do a lot of the online writing are uh, they're journalism majors and English majors and writing majors. And I there's nothing wrong with that, but that is not a degree that I would want any of my kids to have. I, I'd rather them focus on you know, the STEM degrees, the, the things that are really paying and doing well today, the you know, science, technology, engineering, math, you know, I'd lump business into that. That's what I did. You know, the degrees that really will take you somewhere that will lead you to a job, which is another thing. I wouldn't be here if I hadn't had that job the whole time that supported me while I was writing and doing all this on the side. So anyway, so I built up all those connections. I did all that networking. I started writing a few articles here and there, and then a lot of articles here and there. And that income was growing. And then I started building websites for people because I did all on my own. And I I was self-taught originally. And then I went and took some classes. So I really learned HTML and CSS and PHP and SQL and other fancy things. I'm learning Python. So I'm learning not just how to write articles, but how to build websites. So of that 90-ish percent of my income that doesn't come from personal profitability, there's one income stream that's from writing and one that's from web design. And for me, you know, I always say multiple income streams is so important for, for anybody out there because you never know if you're going to lose your job. One day I did lose a job. I unexpectedly had was called into a meeting and they said, today's your last day. And they, uh, they gave me a, a severance and that was it. There was no more income. But because I had this online income, which was not as high as it is today, I wasn't too worried, and I also had a big savings account saved up in, in an emergency fund, so I didn't really have to stress all that much when I lost that job. And of course, I did stress, and, and I found another job, but um, it wasn't as bad if, as you know some people who don't have anything else to fall back on, and I did have something to fall back on. And let's say something happens in a few months, and I, for whatever reason, can't do website designs anymore. I don't know why that would be, but you know, then I have writing to fall back on, or vice versa. So... Every time that I'm doing something, I know I always have a backup plan for revenue. 
But as I did that, you know, the, this backup land, it kept growing and growing until it hit a point. Last year, I did $40,000 in revenue online. And I was on track to do the same again um, for the first quarter this year. And I decided it was time to jump in and, and give a go of it and um, see how it works. Yeah, if I'd always, it would never be easier than it is today. And I always look back at times like when I lost that job or other times when I thought about going full time. And it would have been easier any of those times. And I think, you know, it's never going to get easier. It's only ever going to get harder. I'll only have more kids and more expenses and you know, be closer to retirement and have a lot more stresses for savings. And I thought, this is the time. So, so I went for it. But to lay the foundation for that, I had a lot of pieces of the puzzle I had to put together. One of those, which is incredibly important, if anyone's ever thinking about leaving a job to pursue an entrepreneurial endeavor full time, have a savings cushion. And, uh, I'd had about $50,000 probably in cash available had I really needed to get to it in savings. And at the same time, I went full time and we moved from Oregon to California and sold our house. So we'd had, uh, we'd put down 40% when we purchased our house. Uh, so we had a lot of equity and the value went up about 20% while we were there. So when we sold our house, we got a huge, big cash payout, and that's sitting in a bank account. And we haven't had to really touch any of it, but knowing the risk of, wow, I'm going to be trying to live off of this thing that had been about 30% of my income, it, it could need, I could need to supplement it. I could need more money. And again, knock on wood, I haven't had to yet, but it's still possible. So we do have a big cash savings to fall back on, an emergency fund. It wasn't just like leaping off a cliff with no parachute. I had a parachute and a reserve parachute and a swimming pool down below or a trampoline or something. So it wasn't like this was such a huge risk as it might sound like, though it was still obviously a big risk walking away from from a, a senior financial analyst role at a Fortune 500 company. It was a big paycheck and good health insurance and retirement account matching and all these other benefits that I don't have anymore. But that is another piece of the puzzle. So what do you do for benefits? I have paused my retirement account contributions right now, which I'm kind of bummed about, but you know, it's uh, it's part of the transition. And once I you know, build this income back up to where I want it to be, uh, I'll, I'll get that going again. And once we've paid off some of the bills from the move, but uh, insurance was something that there was no way I could go without insurance. One, because it's illegal and two, because it's stupid. So I, I uh, ended up, you know, it, this is a huge thanks to Obamacare. Without Obamacare, I would not have been able to leave my job and be full-time self-employed. So thank you to all of the Congress people and President Obama for making it happen. But now our insurance, you know, it costs a lot more. I was paying, I don't know, $250 a month, something like that for my family's insurance before. And now it's more like $800 a month. And yeah, the, the company, my business is paying for it. So it's tax deductible. But that's still $800 I have to come up with every month for our uh, for our health and dental. And uh, we don't have vision anymore. There were some things that we said, oh, hey, we don't really need this anymore. But obviously, we really needed health insurance and dental insurance. And I do have you know, medications and prescriptions. So we didn't want the, the lowest level plan. We ended up with a silver plan. So that's our new insurance. And it was something important to us that we had to pay for. So... Why am I telling you about all these costs? You know, we had to pay rent. We have to pay all these things. Didn't want to touch our savings. So the biggest thing I was ready to do when I left that job is prepare to hustle. And if you are ever thinking about leaving a job to go full-time working for yourself, you have to be ready to hustle. 
nothing will happen for itself. You know, when you have a Fortune 500 job in IT or finance, you know, there might be days that you're so busy you're in for 12 hours or more and you're stressed and you don't know what to do and life seems hard. But then there's other days where you know you you bust your butt and get a lot done and I don't know you, you sit on Facebook or stare at your phone for a day. There are no days like that. Well, I mean, I can have days like that if I want, but I'm not going to get paid. I only get paid if I'm working and producing something. So efficiency is key and being ready to hustle is key because if I'm not working hard, I'm not getting paid. And if I'm not working hard, I'm not getting new clients. I'm not expanding and building my business and they're not going to be happy with me. So I lose clients. You have to be ready to hustle. So part of that is you have, I've found you know, I've only been doing this a month, so I'm not the the, the greatest expert in uh, self-employment just yet. But a huge part that I've enjoyed is um, trying to make a point to enjoy the flexibility of being able to work where I want and when I want and using that as motivation to get done what I have to get done. For example, yesterday I had to write an article about a topic that wasn't super enthralling or exciting to me or uh, probably many other people. I was I was targeting a very niche market of, in a uh, an insurance-related industry. So I wrote this article, and um, to the people who it's targeted towards, I hope it is very exciting, but I wasn't all jazzed about it. You know, I wasn't writing something like, I don't know, something for BuzzFeed. You know, it wasn't a fun, light topic. It was, it was pretty dense. But, you know, I thought, well, if I don't do this hard work today, I won't be able to you know, I, I lose the client. I won't be able to do things like today where I played with my daughter for a half hour in, in the middle of the afternoon in between projects or um, when I walk down the street to the store because you know I, I live in a place where I can do that now and I didn't have to wait for you know some a boss to say it's okay or for my lunch break. I needed something and I went and took care of it. So I use that flexibility and I used that last week, uh, the last two weeks actually, I was in London and Paris, um, I said playing and working, but I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have this job. But if I didn't work hard, I wouldn't have been able to do it. It's like a chicken and egg thing. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't take the vacation without the job, but I wouldn't have the job with, I guess I would have the job without the vacation. But you see what I'm saying? I wanted to be able to pay for that trip. And to do that, I worked while I was there. You know, I was in a uh, Airbnb in London. And I woke up every morning. I figured out the morning was really the time I had to write an article. So I got up and I wrote and then my wife edited it. She is an excellent editor. Thank you, honey, if you're listening. So uh, my wife um, edited the articles and then I'd submit them. And I did that at least once a day. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's no fun to look out the window at the beautiful weather in London and know you're less than a 10 minute walk away from St. Paul's Cathedral and some of the greatest museums in the world and amazing history and pubs and you know, everything London has to offer and uh, just going out and talking to people who have a British accent. That's just fun. So I had to you know, focus and work and, and hustle and get that done and uh, keep on hustling. And, and that allowed me to to have that trip. And now I'm, I'm home and I'm going to go on another trip actually next week. I'm, headed off to, to the deep south, to Arkansas, and then I'll be back and I'll be hustling again. So you have to keep that hustle up. And the way that I would recommend anyone who's considering doing this is, um, you know, start the way I started. Make a few bucks on the side. It all started for me with that first dollar and that first project and that first client. And whether your side hustle is something that would be like me, where you know, I keep talking about financial writing and web design because that's my bread and butter. 
But obviously that's not the same for everybody, but you're good at something. You could write about something, or if you hate writing, you could learn a coding language, you could build apps, you could do graphic design, you know, go to sites like Upwork and Fiverr. There's tons of gigs out there. Look for what other people are doing well in. And if that's something you know how to do, then you can do it. Or, or stay tuned. I have a great post uh, in the works on all these ideas to make your first dollar on the side. But to really know what work you need to do to succeed on your own, you have to succeed on your own a little bit first. And I would do that by keeping that safety net of your full-time job and working hard and building up that side income until you realize, whoa, I'm at a point now that maybe I could give it a go. And that's exactly what I did. And as a result, I, I just put out last week my monthly online income report. And I earned enough last week or last month, sorry, in April that would give me a run rate for $77,000 a year. Now, that's not quite what I was making in my day job before, but um, it's, it's pretty darn close. And I'm hoping within a couple months, I'll exceed that. And within a few more months, exceed where I was at combined on the side before between my day job and what was my side gig that is now my full-time gig. So, uh, you know, like I said, give it a try. See what you can do earning a few bucks on the side. And you might be surprised to see uh, how well that grows. And even if it doesn't grow, it's just a nice way to have a little more money to do things like pay off a student loan or um, save extra for retirement. You know, if you're in your late 40s and you're worried, how are you going to put more money away for retirement? You know, maybe make a few more bucks and put that money into an IRA or a Roth IRA. Or maybe you want to add a swimming pool or buy a hot tub for your house or take more vacations and you can't figure out how to afford it. Well, maybe earn a little more. You know, obviously budgeting is a huge part of personal finance. The only path to personal profitability is to spend less than you earn. And the two levers there are either earn more or spend less or a combination of both. So today we talked about earning more. But you also have to remember to spend mindfully to really reach the level of financial success that I think we all want to achieve. So that's my story for today, and it answers the, the list of questions that I've received lately. As always, if you have any questions for me, shoot me an email, eric at personalprofitability.com. That does not go to a VA. It does not go to any kind of assistant. It comes right to me, and I read every single email. And if you have a question, I always respond. It might take a little while, but I always do it. And uh, I'm sure there's listeners out there right now who I've responded to before, so I always thank you for reaching out. You guys give me the inspiration to keep going. If you are inspired or enjoy what you hear and hear here, <laughs> what you hear on this podcast, um, I don't do any marketing. I don't have any outreach for this. The only marketing I have is you, and that's word of mouth. So please, if, uh, if this helps you at all or anything I've done has helped you at all, share it with a friend, take a few minutes, you know, give us a rating in iTunes. I hope to get a five-star review and, uh, and a few kind words. But any, anything that you can do to help put the word out doesn't cost you anything more than a few minutes, but it means the world to me. So thank you all so very much for listening to today's episode and bearing with my hoarse voice that's dying as we go. The, uh, the train's going off in the distance telling me it's time to end this episode. So thanks all for listening up here until the end. And until next time, stay profitable. Thanks for listening to the Personal Profitability Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating on iTunes or share it with a friend.